Hello, everyone. So today we talked with Kim Iring. And if you are dealing with anxiety, overwhelm, having any kind of eating issues or taking tons of medication because of something you've been diagnosed with, you definitely want to listen to this episode. In here, we share Kim's story and what she went through, how she was misdiagnosed, and so much more. And I know if you are dealing with this right now, this will be something that will absolutely help you move past and be able to get out or at least be able to shift where you're at today to living a more healthy, happier life. Thank you for joining me today. They say that life is full of opportunities, right? So why are so many of us dreading getting out of bed to face another day? I know what that's like. My life was full of conflict, stress, failure, and fear. When I got cancer for the second time, my choice was simple, change or die. Today, I love waking up. I love my life. I love owning my own business that is helping people learn and grow. So how do you unlock that kind of transformation in your life? Let's discover the answers together as we hear from ordinary people like you and me and their extraordinary success stories. My name is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Welcome everyone to our show today. I am excited to share with you a very special guest. Let me tell you a little bit about her and a little bit about what she's been through. So first of all, our guest today is Kim Iring. And Kim is someone that actually dealt with a lot of anxiety and just this overwhelm, just trying to be able to find balance in her life and And she was a social worker, she was a therapist, she's just done all these incredible things and has turned her life around, obviously at this point, but I want her to to share a little bit about her life. So Kim, welcome to the show today, first of all. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Donna. Oh, we're, we're so excited to have you. So take us back to where you were in that anxiety, that burnout, and, and what's kind of going on in your life, and, and maybe even what created that for you. Yeah, so if I'm being honest, it probably started around middle school, high school area. I was, feel, I was a very sensitive person, um, although I didn't fully understand what that meant at the time, mm-hmm. and I was you know, aware of a lot of the the challenges that were going on in my home. I was dealing with like being bullied in school. And I think in hindsight, with all the training I know now, I see that I was trying to regulate my nervous system, but I developed an eating disorder. I, I developed anorexia, actually spent several months in a psychiatric facility at the age of 14, which definitely shaped a lot of my identity and that certain period of of your life when you're kind of like coming to age and figuring out 
what your identity is, I think those were some of the building blocks of um, I'm, I'm broken. I'm not as strong as other people. I can't trust myself. I had to give all my power away to, to white coats and family. It was like, you're no longer able to make decisions for yourself, which thank God it saved my life and I'm grateful for it. But I think I, it kind of became a building block of how I saw myself. And I continued to struggle with depression and anxiety throughout high school, um, going into college, led to a misdiagnosis of bipolar two disorder, which further perpetuated this idea that I was broken, that I was incapable. I was, it, it makes me sick when I think of how much medication That's I was what, given. Yes, can I ask you? Oh. I was put on so much medication. I was put on so much medication in college that I went from getting A's to getting C minuses on assignments. And they actually prescribed Alzheimer's medication to me to counteract how cognitively impaired I was from the other medication, which is like a whole other conversation with um, our medical system. Mm-hmm but it created a lot more anxiety and learned helplessness because I literally was um, impacted cognitively in my ability to perform. And I, I really did not have a sense of who I even was without medication and without di- like mental health diagnoses. So I can see that like I even played a role in that. When I look back at that, there, I do think on some level because I had anxiety, which side note, if you do struggle with anxiety, definitely look into high sensitivity because many people who are highly sensitive people or HSP do some research on it because anxiety can be a very common side effect, which was one of the pieces of the puzzle for me, along with trauma responses. So HSP is so people. So HSP is a highly sensitive person. Okay. It's found in over a hundred species. You may be highly sensitive if you tend to be empathic. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I thought you were going at. Yeah, tend to be empathic. You Mm -hmm. feel and experience things more deeply. And it's actually like a biological way that you are wired that about 15 to 20% of the population has. Mm -hmm. And they see this mimicked in other species in nature as well. So basically there are 15 to 20% of us that are going around feeling like we're very different from the rest of the world. Our nervous system processes information more deeply. So if there's a lot of different stimulation, like a lot of different conversations or a lot happening at once, we might be more sensitive to certain types of food or to sunlight. It manifests differently for different people. But one of the core traits is being like really compassionate and sensitive towards other people. A lot of the people I help tend to burn out because they are like the people pleasers, the over-functioners, the perfectionists. Um, People with high sensitivity can also be uh, overthinkers. You know, we tend to like think and process information more deeply, which also means we require more rest, more space in between, more downtime to actually recover because we're actually working harder without actually doing anything more just by existing in the world we're working harder than 80 percent of the population i can totally understand that 100 percent 
I'm very empathic and my husband is as well. He is one of those that does the same kind of thing, the exhausting brain kind of work. And then he's exhausted by the time I'm empathic. I think I've been able to handle that. I think at a younger age, I did. I was a lot like that. Mm-hmm. But I think through meditation and through some of those other things that I've learned has really kind of controlled that. And I'm sure that's probably what you've seen as well is you're able to control it on a different level now than you used to as a kid. Absolutely. And, and I can't yeah. imagine being a 14 year old. And like you said, you feel broken. Yeah. They've got this diagnosis for you. They're telling you, which wasn't correct even. Uh, well, by, by the time I got to college, that's when it was sort of like, yeah, it was like, we don't know what's going on. And at that point, like, you're just so desperate for an answer. And if you're a people pleaser too, like you kind of just want to go along with it. But I do think because I was anxious, I, and, and life felt harder for me for a number of reasons a lot of it in my own head, but it's just, it's just, I felt more overwhelmed more easily. It was harder. It almost became easier to like, be like, Oh, I'll just be the sick fucked up person. Sorry. I'll be the, the broken, um, messed up person. And that almost, I think in some ways was a cop out for me. It was a little bit of a crutch mm-hmm. and I have to take accountability for the role that I played in it. On the other hand, it's like, also I was young and I didn't know any better. And it's like, who was looking out for me? Like when I'm on like seven different medications at 21 years old, including Alzheimer's medication, like what is going on here? So that really, um, I reached a point um, where no matter how many different psychiatrists I saw, no no matter how many different types of medication, I tried, no matter the therapy that I did, I had a moment where I, I started looking at my old journals and I started to realize I'd been pretty much writing the same stories, the same themes for about 10 years and had this epiphany of like something else is going on here. There's something within me, I was caught in a loop and it didn't matter what medication I was on. It didn't matter what kind of therapy I was in. There was something else that was happening that none of that was actually targeting. And that was the beginning of me practicing more autonomy, me going to my doctors and being like, look, like I want to get off of as much medication as I can. I'm and it was always touchy for me because I've always been the good girl, the one that like just kind of goes with the flow. And I don't want to be the rebellious patient that doesn't take their medication. And I think that was really ingrained in me from being in the psychiatric hospital and my entire livelihood of being able to get out and see my family again, which, I mean, it was a traumatic experience, was based on me being a good girl. And that was also the dynamic I grew up with in my household. So I was very fearful of doing that. Um, And I think it probably held me back from doing it at a a more rapid pace. So I spent several years very, very slowly weaning off medication because it was very sensitive to it. And it was very disruptive in my life anytime I decreased it. So that was kind of the beginning. Um, In the midst of all that, I was living in Los Angeles at the time. I was working in TV and film production and had burnt myself out, was extremely, I was just extremely unhappy, unfulfilled, found myself laid off from a job 
depressed, anxious, um, collecting food stamps, unemployed, and really looking at filing for disability. Like, cause it just, it was like, I just can't function. Like, I don't know where I go from here. I mean, it really was like a rock bottom. And there was something inside of me, like it was my dad that suggested it. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I just, I don't know where to go from here. It was just beyond me. And he suggested like, maybe you need to file for disability and something within me just knew deep down that that wasn't the answer. I knew deep down that there was something inside of me that needed to shift, that I was standing in my own way, that I was scared, that um, I was overwhelmed, but that I was capable of so, so much more than, than what I was living in that state. And, and I, I knew I didn't want to be in TV and film production anymore. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I spent some time soul searching and that's when I realized I wanted to go back for a master's of social work degree. No experience in the field. Um, I didn't think I could be in like psychology or mental health type professions because I was too messed up to, to do it um, for the longest time. And I've always been, you know, the therapist friend, but it was like, oh no, I don't want to be paid for that. Like, that's just who I am. Um, I've reached a point where I was like, I'm really, really good at this and I, I enjoy it. Maybe I, I should be paid for this. Maybe I should get like professional training and like really make even more of an impact. Right, right. So that's what led up to the therapist and to the social work and all of the, the degrees that you had there. Yeah. I'm sure you found out a lot about yourself during those times. I did. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I had already done so much inner work at that point, but it only continued to expand in terms of like my knowledge of, just looking even more holistically at um, like the person and their environment and all the different influences. Um, really appreciated just more of the social justice aspect of my program and being exposed to just so much diversity was something I really valued in that, that education. Yeah, and, and you know, like you said, you were really good at it. And the reason you were, I'm sure, is because you could relate, right? You've been there. You, I mean, I'm sure not in all situations, but in, in similar situations, you were probably, you know what it felt like. And, and those are the best kind of coaches and social workers and therapists because they can relate. And a lot of times I think, you know, and I don't want to dish therapy because I think it's good and it's place and it's, it's great. But sometimes some of the therapists don't even understand what that feels like, you know? And so mm -hmm. when you can come from a space of, I get you, I've been there and I know how hard that is. It, it really just makes you, I'm sure, connect even stronger to the ones that you are working with. Yeah. And it was really affirming too. even, I mean, it was a long journey. I didn't have any experience on my resume when I was applying to graduate school. So it took a couple of years of just even like working my way up to get into graduate school. And then I got into one of the top schools out of 4.0 GPA was running a leadership group. And like, just, it was just like such a night and day difference and not without its struggles. There were times where I panicked and still like every once in a while, I'll have this like divergent, like 
personality that comes out that's like, oh my God, am I actually crazy? Like that's still a story that sometimes resurfaces for me. Like I can't fully like always accept that it's like, no, like you're actually all right. Like you're really good. I'm off almost all medication. And oh, that's um, wonderful. Yeah. What a beautiful story to be able to go from tons of medications to being where you're at today, off the medications and doing what you love now. Yeah. Yeah. And it was actually through the social work and the therapy, you know, that was really good, but it still didn't feel like my full calling. So I've been doing that for about four years postgraduate. And I just had this deeper level calling. I still felt very limited in what I was able to do in those specific roles and didn't feel like I was able to make the impact that I was able to make. I was, I was working in a hospital and in the hospital, you know, I'm really good at, at like being with people and facilitating. Um, but there's also a lot of kind of like administrative and task oriented things. And those are important, but it's also just like what I now understand is like my true talents, my gifts, my medicine for the world. Like it's just not a good use of my time. Mm-hmm. And when it came to therapy, I agree with you. Like, I don't want to knock it. There are definitely periods of my life where it literally was like my lifeline and it served me. I think one of the downsides of some therapy is that, you know, similar to my journal where I realized I was saying the same stories over and over again, I literally was just reaffirming a certain reality, a certain truth that wasn't really true. It was just what I was believe, what I believed to be true. And I think we can run into that in therapy as well, where, you know, yes, the therapist, a good therapist will hopefully challenge you sometimes or or point out alternate perspectives, but there is also a lot of validation. And depending on where you're at in your journey and what you're going through, sometimes that is what's needed. That's kind of like the first step, but it can be very limited in terms of like really helping you like transmute and transform those experiences or really create lasting, meaningful change. At least that's been my experience on, on both sides of the couch, so to speak. And so that's when I really started thinking about starting my own business and taking on a coaching role mm-hmm. rather than, you know, the therapist that I wanted to bring a part of this is like, I want to bring more of myself to the table and in therapy, it is an industry that's changing. And you are limited on what you, but you are limited. Yeah. And as a coach, like you want to use discretion too. And I'm very grateful for just my clinical training, because I think I'm a lot better able to recognize like who's going to be appropriate for therapy versus coaching, recognizing signs of trauma and having that um, trauma informed approach and knowing, you know, when we're kind of like deviating from, you know, a coaching type relationship and feeling like I just am very knowledgeable about a number of different resources that can support a person because we're whole humans. And uh, I, I have a very holistic approach in how I work with people and how I see people. So I've been very grateful for, for the experience and the education that I've had, because I think it's made the, the transition into coaching. I've, I've just felt so much more comfortable with it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I'm, I'm sure it just opened you up to, like you said, just be who you were 
be able to bring what you wanted to the table instead of what you were taught you had to bring to the table. Like, you know, I'm sure there are certain things in therapy you have to stay within these guidelines where coaching, you can get just a little bit deeper and a little more personal. And I think sometimes that's what people need. And so I, I'm sure that they appreciate that about you. So now you're, you're in this coaching. Tell us what your coaching is called. Yeah. So it's called Kim Irving coaching. Okay. Know. Yeah. Well, that's okay. That's perfect. So, um, Kim, um, I, I coaching. You said Ir Kim Irving. <laughs> oh, Irving. I'm sorry. Yeah. Did I say okay. it wrong earlier? <laughs> it's okay. Oh gosh, you should have corrected me. Sorry about that. You were in a flow. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So Kim Irving coaching, and it looks like Kim, you also have a freebie that you have for our listeners as well. Can you tell us about that? It's kimirving.com slash freebie. Yeah. So I am happy to share a training that I created. It's one of my most popular ones with any of the listeners here that want to go to www.kimirving.com forward slash freebie. You will get a prompt to input your email and your name, and then I will send it over to you. It's four keys to calm, confident, and connected. And it is basically the framework that I use, the methodology and the, the core principles in the transformations that I'm facilitating with my clients and helping women, specifically women that are more empathetic and sensitive um, and may not even really fully understand the way that that's impacting the way that they're showing up in their work and the way it's impacting the quality of their lives. Um, but it's a framework that's really helped them um, cultivate in a more embodied confidence, self-trust, eliminate anxiety and burnout patterns, and really create a life that's more balanced and fulfilled. And on top of that, because they're feeling more confident and self-assured, they've been getting promoted, they've been negotiating raises, um, in increasing and enhancing the, the quality of their relationships and their connections, because they're more settled, more present. So I'd be happy to share that training. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing that. And so if somebody was wanting to coach with you, they would just go to Kim. Um, it's Irving. Irving. Okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah. did I say it right? Yeah. Okay. It's KimIrving.com. And that's, that's your actual website. Yeah. My website is KimIrving.com. And there is a option there to book a complimentary call. So it's a 60 minute call with me where we get to just oh, get really awesome. deep on really where you're at now and where you're trying to go, identifying the gaps and coming up with a plan together of how you would really get there. If I think it's a good fit for my program, I offer to share more about it. If it's not, then I always point you in another direction of something that that would be more supportive for where you're at or, or what your goals are. Um, like I said, I've, I've been doing this for years. I have a lot of um, knowledge about a lot of different modalities and resources out there. So um, yeah, it, I think it's a, it's a great deal. Wonderful. Well, thank you. You know that I always asked uh, my clients or my clients, I'm so used to saying clients because I have clients too, <laughs> my guests <laughs> on my show. Um, what is the one thing that really helped you when you were going through that anxiety, that overwhelm and, you know, just 
frustrated because you were, you know, going through medications and all of the things. What, what was it that really shifted you to be able to help you get past that, that maybe somebody that's dealing with it right now that's listening mm-hmm. can do? So one of the biggest aha moments I had early on in that journey was realizing that I wasn't my thoughts and developing a self-awareness around the thoughts that were actually running through my head most of the time, very negative, um, very self-deprecating towards myself and even like how I felt like other, like other people were seeing me. So that was one of the biggest the biggest shifts for me was starting to catch the way that I was talking to myself and practicing reframing them. Um, Something I incorporate into my program, we use the science, um, neuroplasticity, the science of neuroplasticity, help actually rewire in new thoughts. So we can actually form new neural pathways in our brain. And most of us have been in the same repetitive ways of thinking, you know, for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, And a lot of it's just been kind of inherited through external stimuli. You know, when we're young, we don't even have a filter up until age seven. We're not really filtering out information. There's no level of discernment. So it's kind of where we get pre-programmed with our beliefs and our thoughts. And, you know, we continue to take external information from the world. And um, some people, especially sensitive and empathetic people, I think tend to take a lot of those external messages a lot more to to heart and can become a lot more rigid and harsh in their thinking and their perception of themselves. So I would say that was one of the biggest like realizations that there was, that there was someone separate from the thoughts that was able to observe the thoughts, which if you're, yeah, that was when I was like, oh, they're not even me. That's just like my brain, like making a bunch of noise. And once I realized that, that was a very empowering moment. Cause I was like, Oh, I can observe these. And if I can observe them, then maybe I can change them. Right. Right. And let yourself know that you're not broken, you know? And like you said, um, you know, you're, when you're feeling broken or you're feeling like something's wrong with you, you're probably just telling yourself that over and over and over again. So you're catching yourself changing that neural pathway to fix it, to be something more positive or at least something that feels better and uh, being able to shift that. So thank you. Thank you so much. I really want to piggyback on something you said that I think is really important. So if you hold a belief consciously or unconsciously, your brain is always going to be looking for evidence to support that, that belief. So if you believe that, that you're broken or you're not good enough, your mind constantly is going to be on vigilant about finding the information to support that. Even if it's something you don't want to be true, but you fear might be true, then your brain's going to be point looking for all the signs, all the evidence to support that belief. It's called a cognitive bias. And I think that's important to, to point yes, out. Yes. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Well, again, Kim, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for sharing your wonderful message. And and thank you for being a wonderful coach that is helping so many people. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. And and likewise, I, I love the work that you're doing. I admire your journey and your story so much. And um, my partner is also a two-time cancer survivor and um, really resonate. Um, yeah, just with that with that journey and, and the transformation. And I know it's made a huge impact on his life for the better as well. 
That's awesome. Yeah, it definitely changes you, doesn't it? For sure. It has definitely changed me and for the better. So yeah, he says he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't wish it on anyone, but he wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, that's exactly what I've said before. And I think until you've been through that, it's really hard to understand that too, because of course you don't wish it on nobody. You don't want to go through it again but you know that it changed who you were through that process. So, yeah. Thank you again, Kim. It was wonderful having you. We appreciate it. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review now, and I will give you a free download of my blessed morning. This is something that is worth so much. It's what I use to get past my past, if you know what I mean. Until our next show, thank you again for joining us. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Thank you.